Hey guys, just a couple of things before we start today's show. Uh, you probably noticed that there are two episodes in your feed right now that dropped at the same time. Uh, that's because I decided to split up these episodes for the next few weeks where we do divisional previews, previewing all eight NFL divisions for fantasy football. I decided to split those up into two episodes per week because... Uh, they were going to take really long if they were all part of one episode. And that was showed because this episode actually lasted almost an hour just doing one division. So we have a good guest on today's show. I hope you check it out. If you want to hear my bold take for this week, which I'm going to get back to doing, go listen to the NFC East episode. This NFC North episode was the one recorded first. So I guess it's part one out of two in a way. But uh, also make sure to check out the NFC East episode that's in your feed. I'll be doing that as a solo show and I will be doing my bold take on there as well. So go check it out and enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, we will be kicking off the first of eight divisional preview episodes for fantasy football in 2021. Unfortunately, this is the first show, as you guys know, without Chris as a full-time host. We have got an excellent guest on today's show, and I will be scheduling many of these guests over the next few weeks. But um, you've heard him on the show before. He was actually on the show just a couple weeks ago, or I don't remember. I guess it was just like two or three weeks ago for a mock draft. Um, Austin is back, ready to talk some fantasy, and we'll be discussing the NFC North today. So, it's Austin, it's good to have you back on the show for this week. Yeah, it's nice to be back. And I'm excited we're doing the NFC North because, as you know, I'm a huge Vikings fan. So, Yeah, that'll be exciting. Austin will be able to provide some inside knowledge there, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for, before that, we'll have some news to talk about. Um, I will, in case you probably already noticed, I think I recorded something, uh, I will have recorded like a recording before, like the, uh, intro played where I like told you guys about the schedule for the next few weeks, but basically we'll be splitting. I'm going to be splitting up the division episodes into two per week instead of one. Cause I realized with these divisions, Last year, it had tended to take like a really, really long time to do each episode. So I'm splitting them up into two parts. So you can also hear the NFC East episode, which is releasing at the same time as this. And um, as of right now, I don't have a guest scheduled for that. So I assume that's a solo show. I probably told you all about it at the beginning of the show anyway. So um, yeah, I don't need to go any further. But uh, Austin, ready to talk some news? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lots to talk about with NFL training camp. Let's start with this. This is some concerning news. We hadn't heard much about the status of Saquon Barkley after his injury. He had surgery on his uh, season ending injury in late October. And um, now it's looking like he might not be ready for week one. Ian Rappaport of NFL network reports that Saquon Barkley is expected likely to be back by the knee from his knee injury by week three, but he has not been ruled out for week one. So basically, I mean, the concerning part of this is that Saquon, may not play the first two weeks. And I don't expect him to play the first two weeks because while they're saying he's not being ruled out for week one, the implications seem to be from Rappaport, who appeared on Good Morning Football to discuss this, that Saquon was probably going to miss weeks one and two. And the reason he would miss week two as well is because they play a, the Giants play a Thursday night game after week one. So for me, it either is he plays week one or he plays week three. I doubt they would rest him for the Sunday game and then put him in the following Thursday 
So obviously the Giants are being cautious with this, uh, making sure that Saquon's back to full health. Austin, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I kind of bumped Saquon down a little bit in my rankings after hearing this. I mean, it's going to be, even when he gets on the field, I feel like he might need some acclimation time to get fully back to RB1 status. Yeah, I have a hard time um, believing that he's going to return to full health and, and be the uh, type of guy uh, that he was two years ago. I mean, I mean, the thing the thing with Saquon is that you had when you drafted him like uh, like some people I know drafted him at like the number two uh, spot. You expected him uh, to come back uh, full health, like fully recovered, and it really is concerning when you hear that uh, a guy like Saquon, they have to delay his return uh, even longer. And then you think, I mean, it is possible that this is just them being extremely cautious and he's ready, completely ready to go. And he has no clue. Like he could be in like the Devante Adams situation where he's almost like mad that they're keeping him out. But I actually uh, think that this is a, a bit uh, telling on, on actually how serious um, and, and how far away he actually is from uh, being back to full health. I think this is really concerning, and I would definitely bump him down a little bit in, in my rankings too. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen troubles with his – well, not with his knee. I mean, in 2019, he had the high ankle sprain. Now he has a knee injury in 2020, had surgery in October. This is – I mean, he was progressing well in his recovery, but it just sounds like the fact that the Giants were sort of mum about – they never stated like – Saquon's going to play week one. I guess that sort of implied that. I mean, I don't know if this organization ever really expected him to play week one. And I want to try to compare this here to what I I tweeted something about earlier out earlier in the week. You can follow me at Calvin underscore SGF on Twitter um, about Saquon and what I think is going to happen, because I expect Saquon to be back in week three. I don't think he's going to play the first two weeks, like I just said. But in after his high ankle sprain in 2019, that caused him to miss. Uh, quite a few games. He came back from that in week 12. And remember, from week 12 through 14 in 2019, he was the RB23. It was only till we, until week 15. It wasn't until week 15 against Miami when he truly had like an elite RB1 performance that really put you over the top. And I feel like that's something to be expected with most running backs, even a great athlete like him. It's not, it's not like the team's necessarily limiting him a ton. I don't, I think they're probably not Going, they're definitely not going out of their way to give him a heavy workload in that type of situation. And he did have solid touch counts in all of those games, but it was just sort of maybe a cautiousness, maybe a tenant, a little more tentativeness that he played with in those three weeks and a little bit more cautiousness for the team that I feel like it's possible we don't even see vintage Saquon till like week six or week five or week seven. So that's a lot of time to lose your RB1, which is why. I have him as my current RB8. I feel like I would take guys like Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones ahead of him at this point because if the uncertainty, I don't know about what you would think about that, Austin. Would you take like either of those guys over Saquon? Uh, I, I would take both of those guys after, over Saquon and, and for the exact same reason. I like uh, guys, especially uh, who I'm taking um, at that uh, as like my first pick. Uh, I like taking guys that are, are, are certain. I like, I like certainties. I don't like people. Uh, who who are have any bit of uncertainty uh, surrounding them unless there really is just uh, crazy upside and obviously there is crazy upside with Saquon but I think the that type of upside if you can expect that um, is why you take him at like the number two spot but if there's any uncertainty surrounding him um, I, I wouldn't take him until like like you said like 
uh, pick eight um, uh, at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I tend to agree. He's sort of dropping towards the back of the first. Also keep in mind that, I mean, when he was healthy in 2019, this was like post-Eli Manning with Daniel Jones. This is not going to be, when we get Saquon back, this is not going to be 121 targets for him. He's not going to have that same pace that he had to Eli, who would dump the ball off to him tons of times every game. He's not going to get 121 targets from Daniel Jones. He's not going to get 91 receptions. We saw that in 2019. Daniel Jones will push the ball downfield. He'll give the ball underneath to Evan Ingram. He now has Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney as two wide receiver additions, but he's just not the type to give a running back 121 targets or anywhere close. So I don't see Saquon as having RB1 overall upside anymore. So I can't justify a pick in the top five with this risk like that that we're seeing. Completely agree. And and speaking of wide receiver additions, I know that's another piece of news we wanted to talk about. Uh, Kenny Galladay being out for two to three weeks with a uh, hamstring injury. Uh, what do you think about that, Calvin? Because I because I know you're a big fan of uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, so mm. how does that affect his fantasy value? Uh, yeah, this is this is really frustrating for me. Galladay, as you know, if you listen to the show, he's one of my top twelve fantasy receivers. As of right now, he is still my fantasy wide receiver eleven. I haven't made a decision on whether I'm moving him down yet because he's going to be out two to three weeks with this hamstring injury, which is the report. I think Rappaport also when he was discussing the giants on good morning football seems he was saying the hope seems to be like maybe get Galladay one preseason game like that kind of seemed to be the goal but it could seem i i think what's going to happen is that Galladay sits for the preseason i think he will be ready for week one but even minor hamstring injuries like this can linger so it's frustrating and i don't think Galladay misses a game in the short term because of this which is why i haven't moved him down yet but keep a close eye on it i i i wouldn't blame you if you took like Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb over Kenny Galladay. Those guys are the three I have behind him. I'm still super high on his talent. I think if he plays, he has to be a top – or not has to be, but he will be a top 12 receiver. And he his floor at a back is is about like as a back-end wide receiver too where he's being drafted and he has so much upside. But it's a really worrisome with the hamstring injury. I think you'd agree, Austin. But Yeah, yeah I, I would agree that, again, like you said, hamstring injuries – uh, linger and that's that's what's worrisome about injuries like that is because they return um, and you never really know uh, if it really is going to be two to three weeks and then he's back uh, full strength uh, full health or if it's gonna uh, return throughout the season yeah and he'll end up missing games and um, obviously that'll hurt his value a lot uh, mm-hmm. so yeah I, I I never really um, liked Kenny Galladay that much in the first place I won't uh, get too in, into that because we have a lot to talk about today. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it definitely hurts his value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And again, not moving him down yet. I think if I were drafting, I would still draft Kenny Galladay as the wide receiver 11. Although I don't blame you if you wouldn't at this yeah. point. But I think it really doesn't matter. Like my, I feel like my ranking is so high that it really does not matter because Kenny Galladay before this injury was the fantasy pros wide receiver 23. Now that we've known about this for a few days, we're recording on Saturday. He's actually kind of funny. Didn't expect this still the fantasy wide receiver 23, but I yeah. expect him to kind of move down. Cause he's sort of going like the early fifth of redraft leagues. I think that ADP is going to drop. Um, so and to clarify when I said hurt his value, uh, mm-hmm. I meant, I meant like I would expect him to trend downwards. I don't think it's like 
a clear drop from where you have him in his rankings. Uh, I think maybe, uh, like you said, if you're drafting, knowing this information, you might take guys like CD Lamb, like Jamar Chase, uh, above him. Um, if you were, if you considered uh, them behind him in, in the first place, which I don't even, but <laughs> you get what I mean. Um, I might, I might just think that definitely like uh, hurts his value, but not not by a, a large margin. Yeah. At all. And I mean, what, what I, I I just mean, I feel like with the uh, with with his ADP dropping, like what I was also trying to say is that I have him ranked so high that like I would still recommend drafting him. It's just like draft him at his ADP. I'm not saying to draft him as the wide receiver 11, obviously. Like if I were in a draft, I would obviously, I would draft Mike Evans over him. I would draft CeeDee Lamb over him because I know I can get Galladay around or even two rounds later sometimes. So it just play the game. Don't draft Galladay in the third round when you can get him later. But I'm just saying like my ranking of him doesn't change, but I just don't feel like that should really matter a ton. I think you should still be targeting him. All right. And. Our last bit of news, uh, two young wide receivers, uh, one with a bit more uh, severe of an injury, but um, both are uh, notable, no, notable and both we should talk about uh, with Devontae Smith uh, out, to, out for two to three weeks with a sprained MCL. And then Justin Jefferson, um, he suffered an AC joint sprain and it's considered day to day. This is uh, way obviously less severe. Um, I actually want to start on that first with the Justin Jefferson um, because I don't think there's much to talk about there, um, unless you have a lot to talk about. But uh, it was it was reported that this was a very very minor injury. I don't really think this affects uh, him uh, much at all, uh, his value much at all. Uh, it's mm-hmm. super small. I. Yeah, I, d- I don't really have much to talk about there, uh, unless you do, Calvin. Yeah, not really. I just, it looked scary when he first fell and he was in pain. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. Very minor. He's considered day-to-day. He'll I think be... they, he was playing still. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll like, be fine. He was involved in plays, like, after he suffered the injury. So, it's it's not much. He was walking, um, running. He's good. Yeah. Yeah, but this one, like you said, is a little bit more major that Devontae Smith is going to be out two to three weeks with a sprained mcl and i mean the sprained mcl this is still a minor injury for sure it's not necessarily like the hamstring i mean obviously it could potentially linger but it's not like a hamstring injury where i'm too worried about his status for the regular season people i think the narrative about Devonte smith I, I think this does bring up a talking point though that i think the narrative about Devonte smith's injury potential is overblown Devonte smith missed two games in his entire college career due to injury he hasn't missed a single game in the last two years while playing SEC competition. His playing weight is clearly perfectly fine, and he hasn't gotten hurt. I'm not saying he won't ever get hurt. He's not like an Iron Man, but he gets hurt just at the same rate or even less than some like normal wide receivers. This is not something I'm really concerned about. I'm super excited for his potential target share in a Jalen Hurts-led offense where Dallas Goddard's really the only other major weapon. Uh, I, want, I wonder, I mean... Austin, I know you have him on your dynasty team, so yeah. I think you agree that there's a lot of upside there for sure with Devontae Smith. I love uh, I love Devontae Smith, and I, I love his up, upside on that um, team. Obviously, I don't really like uh, the Eagles that much. I don't think there's much potential for uh, that many uh, red zone targets, but I think he's 
in my opinion, he's the easy uh, wide receiver one, the easy, like, uh, just top receiver in general. I Like, above uh, Dallas Goddard, I think he's just going to eat up uh, a ton of targets. Um, I mean, I, I love him. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially on a dynasty, in a dynasty league, I don't know how, um, like, uh, how fast he will um, uh, rise uh, uh, to the top of, of wide receivers in fantasy, how, how fast he will become an elite fantasy wide receiver. I believe he will. I think it's inevitable. I don't know how fast that will be, but I think especially uh, in Dynasty, he's a great pickup. Um, that's yeah. why I'm on my team. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree, and I think the immediate target potential means that he has a lot of value in redraft. I mean, this is a really, like, Devontae Smith, currently Fantasy Pros' consensus wide receiver 39 and half PPR. I have him ranked as my wide receiver 27. I see the target potential as meaning immediate production for him. He, I believe, should have been the pick at number six for the Miami Dolphins. He has the pedigree, 23 touchdowns his uh, last year of college. First wide receiver in 29 years to win the Heisman. Playing against SEC competition and thriving for multiple years. Now he rejoins a quarterback who he has played with for parts of his college career in Jalen Hurts. This feels like a really, like, I think he has top 20 wide receiver potential. I think he can be a good wide receiver too with upside for your team. I wouldn't say draft him there, but I mean, it, drafting him like at his price is a major value in my opinion. If it's Jalen Hurts, who's a QB. I mean, that's. Um, who, who else is there though? That's the question. Like, I don't think, I, I know he could get benched at some point, but I don't really. I yeah, I, um, but I think that's been brought up as a question. But that's a that's that's a topic for another day. I think it's this is an injury. Uh, does it hurt his value? Maybe a tiny bit. Uh, sure, but I do agree. Um, Devontae Smith, like the narrative that he's prone to injury, I, I do agree is also uh, overblown. I think it's mostly because he got injured um, in big games. I think he's uh, he has a ton of potential. Even uh, even in uh, redraft leagues, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, want to move on to NFC North? Yeah, let's. Yeah, this is what the show's all about. Let's get to it. All right, so we've got four teams here. We're gonna talk some main questions with each teams, uh, with each team, and then just, I mean, discuss their fantasy potential, their players on the team of course just gonna do a fantasy preview for the nfc north and um the again the other episode that is in your feed right now the nfc east you can go check that out and uh full disclosure this one was recorded first so uh i mean i don't know if i don't think they really have sequential value but like you're listening if you're listening to this you're listening to the first one so uh let's start off with the chicago bears a team that struggled I mean, struggled at times last year and at times had good real-life NFL production with Mitchell Trubisky. Now Mitchell Trubisky's gone. This team drafted Justin Fields in the first round after an 8-8 eight and eight season, but Andy Dalton is supposedly going to start week one, and Matt Nagy has basically repeatedly stated that that is a certainty that Andy Dalton will be starting week one. So yeah. if we're going to believe him, which I will, how yeah. long, Austin, do you think it takes for Justin Fields to get on the field? Like, what are we going to see if anything, I think we're going to see some things from him this year. And like, what, when would you predict that? I think this team makes not, I say not uh, long at all. I mean, uh, I feel just an incredible athlete. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, even Matt Nagy, he was saying um, that he was impressed with 
uh, uh, Justin Field and, and, and training camp. Um, I mean, I just don't see Andy Dalton uh, being the starting QB for long. Um, I love I love Adam uh, Justin Fields as uh, an athlete um, as a QB. Um, he's clearly uh, he's clearly looking good in training camp. Um, I, I don't think it'll be too long. I, I think he'll be. I don't. I think this year. I think a few weeks into the year, uh, he'll be the starting QB. Okay. Yeah, I think I tend to agree. I mean, I'll look at the. I think I, I want to check the schedule to make sure, like, I have a a uh, good grasp of like maybe how things will be going. But yeah, Andy Dalton, clearly not the answer here. I think Justin Fields, despite his problems that I've talked about on the show, like you said, is an incredible athlete, has potential to be an NFL superstar, and his dual threat ability can sometimes mask his inconsistencies, particularly against the Blitz. Um, I mean, overall, he really had strong college film. Other than his uh, struggles against blitz awareness and decision-making against heavy pressure. I feel like I don't really have many complaints about him, but that can sometimes be a fatal flaw for many QBs. See Jared Goff, but Jared Goff does not have the mobility that fields has. I mean, if we're looking at the schedule, this bears kind of have like a nice, easy schedule to start the year or not, or not actually necessarily very easy. Like they do have the Rams. That's tough. Then they play the Bengals easier. Browns is a tough matchup. Then they get the lions and the Raiders. So I think this team could definitely be three and two, two and three heading into the tough schedule where they have the Packers, the Bucks, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Ravens. I think Justin Fields gets into the action somewhere around week six or seven, probably, or maybe we, or maybe even week five to maybe get him a warm up sort of against the Raiders before he gets into that tough part of the schedule. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be early. Yeah, I think it's going to be early as well. And that's actually exactly what I was thinking um, mm-hmm. like around five, week five, week six. Yeah, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be smart to throw your rookie quarterback into the fire right away. Maybe you get him in against the Raiders, then he sort of faces down this tough part of the schedule. Because if Andy Dalton has been disappointing against this schedule where you, for the if you're the Bears, you want to take advantage early, I mean, maybe it's time for a switch. Will uh, Next question, will anyone in this wide receiver room be productive outside of Allen Robinson? I think we know that Allen Robinson is going to be sitting around the borderline top 12 receivers, top 10 receivers again this year. He is my wide receiver 10. He's consistent as any, as consistent as anyone. Do you think anyone will step up in this wide receiver two role for the bears uh, and be fantasy relevant? Uh, of course I do. Uh, Darnell Mooney. I mean, he's, he's a, I mean, he's a wide receiver. He's a, uh, a break, a breakout candidate for sure. For a lot of, uh, a lot of fantasy players. Um, I think the thing with uh, Donald Mooney is I don't know how well he'll fare with uh, Andy Dalton, but again, uh, like we said, I don't think it'll be too long uh, before, uh, uh, before he, uh, you know, is with Justin Fields who loves to push it downfield. I think he'll do a lot better with Justin Fields. Um, I also, I think it's notable that uh, uh, he had 98 targets last year. Obviously, he's not going to be um, too efficient in, in the red zone uh, just because the uh, Bears uh, didn't get to the red zone that much last year. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think Mooney has a ton of potential. Um, I, I love Mooney as a, a guy who obviously uh, I don't think will be uh, quite near uh, Robinson's value um, in the near future. But I do think uh, he could step up and, and be a solid wide receiver, too, for your team. 
Yeah, and I tend to agree. I you think you summed it up perfectly with like Justin Fields will push the ball downfield in ways that Andy Dalton won't, and that will mean additional production for Darnell Mooney, who is at his best as an explosive playmaker and a deep ball guy where maybe Andy Dalton won't be able to consistently hit him on those passes. I mean, he's a guy that's sort of rising up my rankings as well. I think he's a great late round target to get and pretty going pretty cheap right now. So if Justin Fields gets on the field, that could make all the difference, I think, for Darnell Mooney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, last topic for the Bears – David Montgomery is an interesting case. We saw last year struggle to begin the year, but then there were a couple of circumstances that sort of helped his value. Uh, number one circumstance was the um, it was the injury of Tariq Cohen to an ACL injury, which kind of we saw helped David Montgomery's passing receptions soar and his reception count go way, way up. The other part of it was an incredibly easy schedule through the final. I guess it was seven weeks of the season. He played all I'm pretty sure it was all bottom 10 defenses pretty much you can't ask for a better schedule and he was the fantasy RB1 from weeks 12 through 16 next year we have Cohen coming back we have the signing of Damian Williams who is expected to contribute we have Matt Nagy saying that he will use David Montgomery like a workhorse but it's hard to pre- I, I know you cannot project the same sort of stats that we saw late in the year and against that insanely easy schedule but then again, I mean, he does have the Vikings, the Lions, and the Packers all. I mean, the Vikings may have the best run defense of that group, but none of them are particularly stellar. So, and he plays them all twice a year. So this is, I feel like he can take advantage of that again. And there's a point where you have to recognize that. I mean, last year wasn't entirely a fluke. I think that's definitely yeah. clear. And I, I don't think it was a fluke at all. And you mentioned one of the uh, uh, biggest benefactors was uh, the absence of Tariq Cohen. Um, and, and of course we expect, we expected him to be back this year, but I don't know if we can expect that, uh, uh, either. I don't know if we can expect Tariq Cohen to return. Uh, uh, Matt Nagy said actually that Tariq Cohen was weeks away, uh, and not days away from returning to practice. Um, and so his, the, the, the recovery process has been slower than we expected. Um, and also, like you said, uh, this is an injury um, that it's hard to recover from. Even when you're back on the field, uh, you have to slowly be um, slowly be br- uh, brought back uh, into the offense. And it could honestly take um, most of, if not the entire year for him to be um, back to the uh, uh, like running back that he was before, mm-hmm. um, which means that he won't be uh, taking away uh, – uh, taking the uh, receiving game away from uh, David Montgomery. And that could make David Montgomery uh, almost just as uh, almost just as uh, great of a fantasy um, running back as he was last year, mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, he has that potential, I think. And I'm sort of – it's – I feel like I'm ranking him too low, but then again, when I look at who's ahead of him, like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that's a guy who I feel like it's number 17, my seven number 17 RB, can step into more of a three-down role this year. The touchdowns that he didn't get last year will come. Then you see like Chris Carson, J.K. Dobbins, other guys ahead of him, and it's just really hard for me to rank Montgomery uh, ahead because I don't necessarily think he has, I mean, oh, it's so difficult. 
And I think Damian Williams, Damian Williams, who's also brought in, he is expected to be used in the passing game as well. Maybe we're just making too many excuses. Maybe you're right. This could be one of the biggest, like worst draft fades that we've seen in a while. But I just can't get myself to rank him above these guys. Maybe it's just that the RB tier above him is extra deep this year. I don't know. But it feels like he's too low in consensus. Yeah, but it's like I, I agree. I also have him ranked low. Yeah, I'd say that he's definitely a great value um, in drafts. Mm-hmm. All right, want to move on to the Lions? Yeah, sure. All right, so let's talk Detroit. This is a team that's kind of got like two, two guys who project to be major fantasy contributors, and then it's kind of murky for the rest. With the uh, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones gone in free agency, it's kind of just DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson over here. Uh, so let's start with DeAndre Swift. Uh, let's keep it simple. Austin, how high... Do you think his ceiling is for next year in this like bad offense? Um, I'd say, honestly, I, I hate to say it because the guy's so talented, but I'd say that a low end, um, like like probably like an RB eleven, RB twelve, um, at the highest. I just don't think, um, because Anthony Lynn, uh, first of all, he's been uh, he, he's been uh, advocating. He, he loves uh, using a, a committee, um, which, again, I think is not the I, – I don't agree with it, but that's what he's – he was really adamant about uh, uh, utilizing. So there it's like a 50-50 timeshare. So you get um, like about half of the production that you would expect from a guy uh, like DeAndre Swift. And then also – I don't really think the Lions as a team uh, are that great at all. So you won't uh, see as uh, much of the, for, they also have a really hard uh, schedule and you won't see as many uh, of the red zone opportunities that you would usually see uh, for a running back of his caliber. I just, I don't see him, um, you know, breaking into the top 12 running backs really at all, which yeah. is sad. Because he's such a talented guy. And such a good receiving uh, back as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see the concerns. I'm going to have to disagree, though. I have DeAndre Swift ranked inside of my top 12 as my RB11, and I know I'm higher than on him than the consensus. And yes, this Lions team is going to be bad, but I think DeAndre Swift's ceiling is as a borderline top eight guy. Number one, because of his receiving volume. Last year, what we saw, and I know we had checked down Matthew Stafford there, But, I mean, last year, DeAndre Swift was getting consistent receptions. And now with the losses of the team's two best wide receivers, I feel like that reception total can be, like, top eight, top six, even, potentially, in the league. And I know Anthony Lynn likes to talk up Jamal Williams. And Anthony Lynn loves to talk up DeAndre Swift as well. Like, it's kind of hard to tell. One day, Swift's the bell cow. The next day, Jamal Williams is going to be heavily involved. I'm just kind of dismissing this all. I just don't really, like, believe any of it. Or, I mean, some of it's going to be bound to be true, obviously. But, I and I think Jamal Williams will be involved. But the thing about it is, I would be more worried if Jamal Williams came in and was like, let's to use an example from his former team. If they had got in, like, A.J. Dillon, who I know who he wasn't a free agent, obviously, to be there. I mean, A.J. Dillon has a potential edge over DeAndre Swift, and that is as an inside goal line back. DeAndre Swift is more elusive. DeAndre Swift's a better pass catcher. But if you bring in a guy that has a skill set different to what DeAndre Swift has, that could potentially be like, oh, Swift's touchdowns are now at a cause for concern. But Jamal Williams is basically like 
in my opinion, a worse version of DeAndre Swift. I don't see what he does better. He's a good pass catcher. DeAndre Swift is a great pass catcher. He's a okay inside runner. DeAndre Swift is a good inside runner. DeAndre Swift's more elusive. DeAndre Swift's more explosive. DeAndre Swift has a better second gear. <laughs> I think that he will earn his way onto the field, and he will be a workhorse, and that's why I have him at RB11. I think his ceiling is as potentially a top eight guy. Yeah, and, and there's always that kind of view uh, that the that the talented guy, um, he's going to be the one that will rise to the top. Um, I'd like to believe that, but again, I have a lot of concerns surrounding him, which is why I wouldn't uh, draft him um, around where you're uh, saying to draft him, and I don't think he has. I think he definitely has um, a, a ceiling that doesn't break um, into like the top 10 uh uh, running backs but you know you have your opinion i have mine we'll see how he does this season mm-hmm. yeah. all right so uh what do you think about the other potential pass catching weapon there tj hawkinson do you think he can have an elite fantasy season this year um again uh with tj hawkinson i don't i don't like getting receivers especially tight ends on offenses that don't get red zone opportunities uh i absolutely uh hate the lions offense this year um and i got it tj hawkinson will get a lot of targets i i firmly believe that but is he worth being drafted as like a top five tight end when there are other guys that will get red zone opportunities i don't think so i think one of the reasons, one of the thing, one of the biggest things that makes tight ends valuable are, are their touchdowns, and I just don't see Kim getting many touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a touchdown leader, but I will have to say that I do. I mean, disagree to a point because I think TJ is going to have a very, very good season next year. Number one reason is because I mean. He's he's got there's no other weapons in that offense to throw to. I think this is going to be the guy that Jared Goff relies on underneath. I could see 130, 135, 140 targets in TJ Hawkinson's potential. I think the arguments against him are, like you said, lack of touchdowns potentially. I mean, he's not the biggest vertical threat, but I think with a target share like he's getting, he can be a top four, maybe even uh, probably more like a top four, maybe even top three tight end next year. I think that's his ceiling. Um, There's no one else to throw to. And I think even if they don't get to the red zone that much, he will be the guy in the red zone along with Swift. So I'm not too concerned necessarily about that. Uh, and yeah, I do understand the concerns, of course. Makes a lot of sense. But um, it's just, I, I there's so there's a yeah. tremendous amount of potential for a guy who was just a first-round pick a couple of years ago. I think he's got I a lot guess of talent. I guess what I'm saying for him is that I don't think he's someone I could ever see myself reaching for. I think given his ADP right now, I still wouldn't draft him, but I could understand why you might. I, I might take him like I'm, I would take him below his ADP if I could, that's, I I wouldn't take him uh, anywhere. I wouldn't take him even uh, uh, anywhere close to above his ADP. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying that I don't think he's going to be um, a sure top 10 uh, tight end. I just don't think, that he's going to be uh, that he has the ch- opportunity to be elite. I, I just don't, especially this season. But we'll see. We'll see. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I could definitely see him just being like a moderately like solid tight end overall. Yeah. But I think he's in that tier with like Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts. So he's like def- that's what it is. Do I see him in that tier? Do I see him in that uh not even elite uh tight end tier? Because the tight ends just um obviously I think the season aren't going to be too good overall. But in that top tier, I, I don't see him there. Uh, okay. I think you do, and we'll see. We'll see how he produces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last thing. I mean, can any wide receivers on this team be trusted? I say no. I just want to hear, I want to hear your, th- your thoughts, though. Me? Mm-hmm. Wide receivers on the Lions with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones gone? <laughs> I mean, the, their top wide receiver right now, or what it's looking like, is Brashad Perryman who was struggled with injuries with the Jets. Um, I mean, he's, he's talented. He's fast. Uh, but he's not much else other than fast. I mean, than that, like, he struggled a ton with injury. I don't – and then other than him, I don't know, man. I, Tyrell Williams? Yeah. It's hard to see anyone really emerge as like a – the this like top wide receiver I, I think it'll be just like <laughs> a bunch of mediocre wide receivers that's mm-hmm. what i see i don't think anyone could really can really emerge as like the top wide receiver and if they do they're going to be the top wide receiver on the lions but the number wide receiver two at most yeah i, I don't even see like do I, I don't even know. Do I have any Lions even ranked in my top 60? I might not even have. Like, there's just no point. There's such a low ceiling and such a low floor. Yeah, I don't have a single Lion wide receiver ranked in my top 60. Only when is per- the last time we said that about a team? Yeah, the only person I'd like to to uh, mention is Amon uh, Ross St. Brown. I think because he's a rookie – um. And because he's going on into a he's he's joining a receiving core that is like mediocre to say the least. Uh, <laughs> he has a lot of opportunity, and that's that's exciting to see. But I I also don't see him uh, really being too great. So I mean I, I do think though as a for a rookie like especially in dynasty uh, I think for a rookie. Uh, especially this year, he'll definitely have an opportunity to to uh, kind of uh, establish himself yeah. as uh, uh, the wide receiver in Detroit. I just think the wide receiver in Detroit is going to be like uh, low end wide receiver two, uh, uh, wide receiver three at most. Yeah, at most, I would say even less because it's just going to depend from game to game. And you just never know who's going to be. I mean, I agree that St. Brown has an opportunity. But, I mean, fourth-round rookie, it's not the highest hit rate. Day three pick, it's concerning for sure. Yeah. For fourth-round rookie, he's exciting. Yes. But, yeah, you can't really trust. You can't trust. I I can't trust a first-round wide receiver, let alone a fourth-round wide receiver, uh, for their rookie year. Yeah, especially with Jared Goff as the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right, Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about a good team for a change. Um, let's uh, see. Let's talk their wide receiver position. Obviously, we know Devontae Adams is going to be great. Obviously, I think I would say he's pretty clearly the fantasy wide receiver one yeah. next year. Um, is there anyone we can trust there outside of him at wide receiver? 
Um, I'll let you know what I want to let you go first. I'm gonna. I, I've been going okay. first. What do you oh, think, yeah. Cal? Sounds good. Uh, I think there's so many. Uh, there's so many people to talk about. They have. Uh, there's so many people on their uh, depth chart that I that like. Fe- I feel mm-hmm. like they have the potential. You know, what, I'll just go. Um, like <laughs> Al Al Lazard, Marcus Valdez Scantling. Randall Cobb, now that they just uh, signed him, uh, Amari Rogers. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anyone who can really like uh, emerge as a clear wide receiver too um, in that offense. I just feel like uh, all of them are very similar uh, now with Amari uh, Rogers. Um. Uh, now with Amari Rodgers, uh, basically, isn't he, isn't Amari Rodgers taking over uh, uh, his spot? Um, who's taking over his flex spot? Oh, with Randall Cobb. Now that they've picked up Randall mm. Cobb, too, it's getting even, it's an even busier wide receiver core. I, I just don't see any of them. They're all like good wide receivers. I feel like Alan Lazard, he had his chance to break out last year. Um, and he didn't, I just, I, I don't see it. I don't see, I don't yeah. see the value in any of those wide receivers. I mean, Lazard has the most proven production, but now it's so crowded in there with Randall Cobb too. Yeah. It's really hard to trust. And he was good at times, but like, yeah, you're right. That's not really anyone you can trust outside of Devonte Adams at this point. Uh, let's move on to the quarterback. Unless you have anything else uh, you want to say. No, nothing else to say. All right. I think this question is interesting for me. Um, it's can Aaron Rodgers play at an MVP level again? I would say, I mean, I would say yes. I think I, he can play at an MVP level again, but the touchdown percentage and his touchdowns in particular are the one thing that I would definitely project to regress. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think we'll see some regression there. I also think that uh, the, they're, they're definitely losing a lot of pieces um, in their offensive line. Um uh, as well uh, with um, uh, who's who's wait now I'm losing the names. <laughs> Who on the offensive line is leaving? Uh, Corey Lindsley. Oh, Corey Lindsley, right, 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 right. Uh, he's leaving. Uh, somebody else also is leaving. But mm-hmm, yeah, uh, anyways, yeah. with with Aaron Rodgers, I will say I will see some. I think there's going to be some regression uh, with touchdown. Uh, touchdowns and then also I think it's going to be uh, with a weaker offensive line uh, that'll affect him a little bit but I mean he's arguably the the best QB in the NFL of all time Um, there's not much else to say other than that I think of course he can return to elite status I wouldn't have said that last year before that MVP uh, season Um, Mm. but he proved me wrong. Uh, he had so many doubters and he proved me and a lot of other uh, people wrong. So I don't really feel like it's, it's right for me to comment on that, to, to say anything, but yes, because mm-hmm. um, I, I made that mistake last year and yeah, yeah, he, he, he showed me up. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the, uh, I mean, I know you said like the best of all time. I think it's pretty clear that Brady is the goat, which is the greatest of all time. But, like, 
a lot of people think that if Rodgers was in Brady's situation with Belichick and the Patriots, that he could have been even more successful than Brady was. Yeah. And yeah, I would say, yes, he can play at an MVP level again, but for a career guy who throws, he had a 9% touchdown percentage last year. 9% of his attempts went to touchdowns. That's a ridiculously high number. His 48 touchdowns, I feel like will be cut into about two thirds of that for next year, because he's around a career 6% touchdown thrower. Anyone who's hit the 9% threshold, which is very few quarterbacks always drastically regress the next year. So I think there's going to be a lot of regression for fantasy there, but his level of play, I think should stay probably about the same. I mean, that was an incredible year. maybe a little bit worse, but not by much. By the way, it was left all pro left tackle David Bactieri. Oh yeah. Cause he not that they lost him, but he tore his ACL um last year and and mm-hmm. it's not looking like he's going um to return um in time. Or if he does return, uh he's not going to be nearly as effective as he was last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had forgotten about that as well. But yeah, he was, um, yeah, it's like it, it doesn't, it's kind of murky about when he's going to come back. So if he misses time, that hurts the offensive line even more. Yeah. Um, last thing for the Packers, Aaron Jones obviously got re signed, disappointing for AJ Dillon dynasty owners. But what do you think? Does he have value? Can he be, I, I think he has a role in this offense and has some fantasy value, but I want to hear your thoughts. Um, I actually would say, no, um, with AJ Dillon. Like, I would disagree with you there. Um, I think the one thing about Jamal Williams um, that made him, like, the, one of the reasons that they utilized him um, was because, I mean, was because of uh, his, his value um, uh, in the receiving game. I, I will say that with, like, someone like AJ Dillon without, without Aaron Jones, because I didn't think that was going to uh, happen. I didn't think they were going to resign him. Without Aaron yeah. Jones, I, he had a, a ton, a ton of upside. I mean, I was really high on A.J. Dillon going into the season or, or, or going into this season like a few weeks ago or a few months ago, my bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I know that they're, they're with – they have – they re-signed Aaron Jones um, – I just don't, I don't see it. I, I think it's because it's because Aaron Jones does, like you said, uh, like you said with Jamal Williams, the same thing, Jamal Williams on the, uh, on the lions. I think Aaron Jones does everything Aaron, uh, AJ Dillon does and more. I mean, arguably AJ Dillon is uh, like your better running back in general. Um, but I don't, th- I think it's way too early to even, um, to say that. Oh yeah, definitely. I guess you could, you might be able to argue that like he's, he's bigger. Um, he, he might be better in the red zone, but he hasn't um, shown it, but he hasn't shown it first of all, and better on the goal line. He hasn't shown it first of all, second of all, uh, Aaron Jones has proved that even if he can't, uh, power his way, uh, in the goal line, they use him in the receiving game, uh, in the red zone, um, nine times out of 10. So I, I just don't see AJ Dillon really having that big of a role um, at all. I know they said they, they're going to use him a little bit. I just think that first of all, there uh, it's very clear that uh, Aaron Jones is going to be uh, the clear um, RB one. And then also um, I don't see AJ Dillon getting many uh, 
uh, red zone touches. I think I see them uh, relying on Aaron Jones for that. So if I don't, if I, if a running back doesn't, isn't going to get red zone touches, I don't want them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in age, there's a definitely a wide range of outcomes for AJ Dillon. I think there is one though, that we could see where the four, the second this guy who is a second round pick, sort of steps into a Jamal Williams-esque role, but not the same as what Jamal Williams had because we saw Williams taking a lot of touches in the passing game as well. I think A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones will have almost exclusively the full workload of receiving touches, which is not something we've seen from him in the past. And because of this, I think if A.J. Dillon gets a few more carries than Jamal Williams had, doesn't necessarily hurt Aaron Jones for fantasy because he increases his receiving work. And but I mean... And it doesn't necessarily hurt him in the running game because it could increase his efficiency when you have another guy there as well. I just think, well, like you said, I know Aaron Jones does do everything A.J. Dillon does and more. I would say the one thing that the Packers might be inclined to use A.J. Dillon for is on the goal line, which could take away a few touchdowns. But I'm not trying to argue against Aaron Jones. I just think that A.J. Dillon could have maybe 600, 700 yards and a few, like five or six, seven touchdowns. Potentially, I think that's in his range of outcomes this year. And, and it's it's unfortunate because it's not like he doesn't have a high ceiling. So I don't know if he's worth a draft pick. Ceiling. That's what I'd like to yeah. say. But for a handcuff, he is honestly probably the best handcuff you could have um, in yeah, fantasy. Like career hunt. So even like... Do I think just for general running back value? No, I don't think he's a, a fantastic draft pick whatsoever. But do I think as a handcuff, he's absolutely amazing? Yes. If you have Aaron Jones, I would 100% look to get um, A.J. Dillon. Because if Aaron Jones is out, I see Dillon putting up ex- very similar numbers um, and basically – uh, also being an uh, an RB1 uh, uh, value. Yeah, I mean, it's in his range of outcomes, I would say. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to, like, say that will happen, but it's, I mean, it, this is a high-powered Packers offense. He's a good runner. He showed it in a game last year. Yeah. And, yeah, we could see that. Let's move on to your Minnesota Vikings. We got three questions here before we wrap up the show. Uh, first, Adam Thielen, 30 years old. I guess 31 heading into this season. I don't remember. Um. Last year, he was very, very good, scored a lot of touchdowns. But as we saw throughout the season, when Justin Jefferson broke out, Adam Thielen's target share really sank, especially in the second half of the year. And he was getting touchdowns and still being good for your team. But do you think you see regression from last year, Austin? Because, I mean, in weeks one through – if I'll look at weeks one through 16 for fantasy. I mean, Adam Thielen finished pretty high. But, I mean, it's possible he regresses. He was the wide receiver eight. I don't think I see that happening again. I think his touchdowns will go down and his limited target share will come back to bite him because Justin Jefferson is the one in this offense. Like you said, it was gradual. um, Like basically his role uh, slowly starting to lessen um, while while, uh, Justin Jefferson began to emerge as the number one wide receiver um, on uh, in that offense. And now Thielen's starting off the season uh, as in my opinion, the clear wide receiver too. I mean, I I love Thieland. I love Thieland, and I, I know he's a great wide receiver. But and I know he's great in the red zone too. But fourteen touchdowns, really? I, I don't think that's <laughs> you can't. I I don't think you can re- expect him to repeat anywhere uh, close to that. Um, 
So I think he's just really risky. That's what I would say about any, any, like, this is what I like uh, to say. If I'm going for a, like a, a wide receiver one, I want, um, I want volume. Um, if I'm going for like a kind of, if I want, if I want a guy who has a bunch of upside, I'm looking for a uh, red zone opportunity. Um, I say you take Thielen, uh, people are taking Thielen for like a wide receiver too. And I just don't see that type of volume um, coming Thielen's way and anywhere close to as many touchdowns as he had last year. So yeah, I see him as like a wide receiver three. I love Thielen uh, again, but I just don't see him um, being nearly as good as he was last year. Yeah, I have him as my wide receiver 25. So right on that edge is just starting the wide receiver three tier. Yeah, I agree. He's gonna he is ready to regress this year. And uh yeah. Let's move on. Can Irv Smith have a breakout in 2021? This is an interesting question. Yep. You oh. think so? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh as you know, I love Irv Smith. The, the big thing with Irv Smith is everyone was talking about like this guy, this guy is talented. Uh, but the thing the thing about him is that with uh, Kyle Rudolph um, kind of eating into his target, like he there it was a target share between them. Um, he couldn't really become a true tight end one. Well, guess what? Uh, Kyle Rudolph is gone. I think it's it's Irv Smith's time to shine this year. Um, I think behind Jefferson and uh, Thielen, uh, he's the he's the clear third uh, receiver uh, in that offense. And I think he could be, I already, I would have him ranked as like a tight end 10 right now. And I think he has the potential to be in that. uh, uh, I don't think he could break into the like elite tight ends, but I think because there's the tight end, uh, the tight ends this year are pretty weak in fantasy. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being like the fifth uh, uh, tight end this year. I'm very high on Irv Smith. Yeah, and he's a guy where you can get him in the later rounds for sure. And um, it's not – I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me with Irv Smith. Mike Zimmer didn't – when he asked about Irv Smith, he didn't seem to have any inclination to give him a significantly higher target share than what he got last year. Behind Jefferson and Thielen, I just feel like uh, it's too inconsistent when you have – sort of that downplaying of by the coach who's instead well, emphasizing Tyler Conklin. I mean, it, I know he's going to be good, but like it's it, at times, but it's a little bit too inconsistent for me other than a, at a late round target. Like I wouldn't be comfortable with him as my tight end one. Well, here's the thing about Irv Smith. We're talking about low tight end ones and, and you might be playing an elite that considers him uh, like a tight end two. You're going to be drafting him like late, late, late into the draft. He's, he's, he's a very deep pick, if not a waiver wire pickup, but most likely a, a, a deep uh, uh, pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't break up, if he doesn't break out, your team isn't going to fall apart. I mean, he's, he's just someone you can stash on your bench. I like people who have a ton of upside. I think someone like Smith, especially because most tight ends this year, like I said, uh, I think the tight, end, tight ends this year are weak, and I think that a lot of them – are, are really risky. I think someone like Irv Smith, who as a tight end has a lot of, uh, will have red zone opportunity, uh, I believe, uh, and, and a really uh, great Vikings offense. I, I think 
it's really important that you take a chance on him because he could uh, he could end up being a very clear tight end one, um, and I don't think many people uh, see him uh, as as such. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just in that run heavy offense with Thielen and Jefferson, I feel like the inconsistency might be a bit much, and it's not going to be like totally predictable when you can start him. But again, that's how it is with a lot of tight ends in that range. You got to weigh the risks and decide like whether it's yep. worth it. Um, let's see. Last question before we wrap up the show. And this has been a fun show for me and uh, hopefully for you as well. Yeah. Uh, what is Kirk Cousins's value next year for fantasy football? This is, Cap- uh, I feel like it's the same as it always will be. <laughs> Captain Kirk. Let's start off by saying, I love you, Kirk, but you're not a, you're not a uh, franchise QB. He's never has been. He is the definition of safe. He is the quintessential safe uh, QB. Um, what is it? Yeah, what is it? A uh, stat I wrote down. Oh, yeah. He was the, the past three seasons, he was a QB 18 or better. That's just, it's not, again, it's, it's not great. It's good. I don't like good. I don't think he he has a very high ceiling whatsoever. If you want someone to stash on your bench, like um, and uh, for a QB, uh, if you want a QB to stash on your bench, I think Kirk is a great option because he's again very safe. But I just don't even with like all these receiving options, the Vikings are going to remain a run-heavy team. Um, sure. Uh, Justin Jefferson might, I mean, they, they even became, uh, they even passed more, uh, than they usually do last season. I don't think it's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna increase by much. I don't think their pass attempts are gonna go up by much either. I just, I think his, his, he's pretty capped, um, mm. is what I would say. I think he, I think he's safe, but I think he has a very, uh, low ceiling. Yeah. I mean, that's safe part of him. I mean, he's, can be predictable like you can make him a matchup play for your team which is why I don't mind stashing him on the bench pairing him with someone if you're going late round quarterback pairing him with some another matchup play like Ryan Fitzpatrick or like Joe Burrow or someone like that I mean Joe Burrow's arguably better than a matchup play but like maybe a Baker Mayfield or someone like someone you can get a little later and then start Kirk in the good matchups and he'll get you a good top 10 quarterback week top 12 quarterback week I mean He's not a bad guy to have. I agree. He doesn't have a ceiling. If you're looking to stash a guy who you think can break out, it's not Kirk Cousins. But he can have value for your team. I do believe that. And if he's on your waiver wire, he you can pick him up and stream him in a pinch. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is all. This was a fun episode, Austin. Thank you for joining. Uh, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at SGF pod to get updates, follow our YouTube channel, second and goal sports talk, go subscribe at SG sports talk on Twitter. Follow me at Calvin underscore SGF. Uh, Make sure to check out the NFC East episode. That's also in your feed right now. Uh, Thank you for listening. Everyone Austin have anything you want to say before we go. Um, Oh, look out for the Vikings because (laughs) they are the best team in the uh, NFC North and they are going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Totally unbiased take there. Thank you for listening, everyone. Biased take. mm -hmm, Yep. So thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time.